Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And you are listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast, where today we're going to get real monstrous with it. We got tentacles, we got eyeballs, we got a lot of legs, we got slimy skin, <laughs> we got a jaw with a bunch of teeth, so many teeth, you don't even, <laughs> so much teeth, you won't even believe it. Something worm-like that may or may not be like 15 feet long. We're really earning our stripes. The general is gonna promote us to lieutenant for surge on this for surge. For surge. <laughs> for sure. Surge. You know that it was that was you. goddamn lieutenant surge yeah, wiggling his it way sure from my childhood into my surge. conversation. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. We're not talking about pocket monsters. We're talking about large ass carrion crawlers today on tooth and nail, ladies, gentlemen, or what have you. Can't fit this bow in your pocket. No, sir, unless you cast reduce like a shit ton. <laughs> anyway, and and it seems as though this is going to be a minor standoff. Uh, I kind of like carrion crawlers. As I understand oh, no. it, Travis is not super warm towards carrion I crawlers. Mean, I, I just think they're... Okay, full disclosure, uh, I did a little research into carrion crawlers, just like the uh, surface level research. And they, 5th edition is the first edition they are monstrosities. Mm. So I was going to get into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like a bit of context because I didn't do any history history of Karen Crawler yeah. stuff when I was doing research. Uh, so yeah, we'll get into that whenever it is. As like a brief overview, a Karen Crawler, generally speaking, is just like a big insectoid monstrosity thing that eats corpses. And to my mind, they are a kind of neat, gross monster that acts as a nice introduction to the the strategy that I've been ascribing to ghouls, that whole, like, incapacitate and carry away the party member, making everybody freak out and go into a minor chase kind of strategy. Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's, like, two sides of the same coin that feel totally different, because it's like, ghoul, oh, this zombie thing, like, bit Greg and then dragged him away, versus this giant fucking insect with tentacles <laughs> just grabbed Greg and pulled him into the ceiling... Yeah, yeah, and this is a pretty early on, this is an early game monster too, so I feel like if you maximize the oh shit potential, this could be very memorable to a team that's not expecting this kind of thing. For sure. Yeah. But let's get up all into it. Let's dig our way into this corpse. Let's eat the bones and the flesh <laughs> and the sinew. I'm, Delicious. I'm gonna throw up, hold on. <laughs> we'll just cut, I'm gonna go throw up for like six minutes. We'll, I'll be back right. when the when the episode starts. I'll just hear a whistle for six minutes, it's fine. Mm. So artistically, I think these boys are pretty gross and good. So... <laughs> This is, to my mind, the first kind of monster we get that feels like a Dark Souls monster. Everything oh, else yeah. has that, like, you know, fifth edition badassification we've been calling it. But this is the first legitimately weird thing that we've gotten so far, to my mind. Basically what they look like, it looks like a cross between a crawdad and a centipede. So it's this long, worm-like <laughs> thing. It's a size category large, so it's big as fuck. They've got just, like, a ton of legs. Their bodies are all slimy, and they look to be kind of hairy as well. Yeah, so like, I was going to say, the tiny little hairs on top of the slime absolutely. are super discomfort. Yeah, like. check those boxes off. It's slimy and hairy. So, like, <laughs> I love it already. You've already hooked me. 
The head looks like it has like a, a carapace look to it, but the rest of the body doesn't really. Yeah, it's so weird and cool how like the, the skull part looks like it's chitinous, but then the rest of it looks like it's made out of flesh that has like ridges and stuff. So like if I'm laying down all the cards on the table, the carrion crawler doesn't look like it makes a whole lot of biological sense. And to some degree, my appreciation for a monster is grounded in that Guillermo del Toro thing where the coolness of a monster is its ability to exaggerate what happens in real life. But so like it, it kind of fails in that regard. But as just like a weird thing that hits you psychologically with all these things you don't like, like into in the Dark Souls way, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. If you have like any sort of phobia of bugs. Absolutely. Absolutely. This thing is your worst nightmare. Absolutely. With the tentacles and the antennae and that it has mm -hmm. like the weird jelly bean eyes, like like the the tiny little skittery legs. Yeah, yeah. And then like of course it it is very stylized. So, you know, it has mandibles and also teeth, which is mm -hmm. kind of redundant, but like the te it's two layers of teeth. So like <laughs> come on. Yeah. It's got shark yeah. teeth. It's pretty good. <laughs> I'm not made of stone. It's definitely real fucking scary, aggressive looking, especially considering the fact that like it's twice the size of a man. Yeah, like. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, and for just some reason, while it is, you know, a hunched monstrosity screaming at something off camera, it doesn't hit me in that badass fifth edition way. I think it's the, the tentacles and the, the eye is what really does it for me. Yeah, it really does just feel like a sure. weird thing. The uh, the insect eye really gets me. I yeah. think that's what sets it a little bit apart. Yeah. And that's what it is, too. And to some degree, that's microcosmically what I've been trying to get at with the Guillermo del Toro thing is that is such a good insectoid eye, exaggerated to be horrifying. Mwah. You couldn't <laughs> see it, but I put my fingers to my mouth and kissed them and then raised my fingers up into the sky. Perfecto. Yeah. So it hits a lot of notes that I like quite a bit artistically. And I mean, like, you know, to to be totally fair, it, there's no like ongoing thematic stuff going on with this carrion crawler. Cause as we'll mm -hmm. find, there's not a whole lot to the lore to be thematic about, but- Also, I mean, like you say that and you bring that up and that's that's the exact point where I want to bring up the stuff that I found about Absolutely. the crawler. So if there's nothing else that we want to talk about artistically, we can scoot on into the lore. It sort of has to do with both. All right, lay it um, on me. This can be our gap bridger. So I will send this to you in Discord. Okay. This is the art from 4th edition, and the creature in 4th edition looks identical to how it looked in 3rd edition. It used to be an aberration. Oh. Huh. This is basically how it has looked since 3rd edition, and then in 5th edition, they went back to the roots and turned it into a bug again. Yeah, so the, the thing that... It it is here the it has a lot more tentacles it has like displacer beast tentacles and then its face has more of like a snail kind of thing with a big toothy mouth yeah and like eyes on stalks yeah yeah that's yeah pretty cool it's its legs instead of skittery insect legs were instead like claw tipped appendages yeah it's a lot more of that 80s choose your own adventure weirdness that dark souls popularized to be yeah, sure it's it's definitely a totally different feel. Yeah, absolutely. 
and it's it's interesting that they made the jump because in third and fourth edition they were aberrations and their their origin was from the far realm Mm. but for some reason they they added a little bit in fourth edition where there's like a tiny mention that while their origin is assuredly rested in the far realm it was thought by many and indeed possible carrion crawlers were created through a mad wizard's experiments huh and yeah. so, so after they made that in fifth edition, when they were designing it, I guess they just kind of leaned heavier into the experiment rather than the right. Yeah, just a, they turned it into a monstrosity, much like some of the other creatures in the fifth edition. I guess that's fair. Maybe they didn't want to lean into the wizard experimentation thing, you know? Right. Bullets right, right. was like two monsters ago, if that. So I can yeah. see maybe them the Wizards of the Coast for fifth edition wanting to spread things out a little bit. Yeah, they they were like, We've got so many aberrations with tentacles, let's just But you know, at the same time, monstrosity kind of encapsulates that weird magical experiment kind of thing. So maybe mm. that's just something that you can assume is true based on its categorization maybe. to some extent. But I, I do agree with you. I wish that there was a little bit more to the lore of these guys in the 5th edition Monster Manual, because as it is, they're just... It's mostly ecological stuff, which to a degree is nice, right? After bugbears and bullywugs, it's nice to go back to a pure monster so that I don't have to feel gross about stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And while I do wish that there was a little bit of cool backstory or detailizing, like detail stuff, like we got with bullets and to some extent with basilisks, I'm fine with just getting ecology stuff. It pretty much the the lore that we get here is purely in service to how you should use a carrion crawler in a fight or in a dungeon, and so it's fine. It gets the job done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just so for reference, the second edition and first edition looked largely how it does now, but obviously a little. Yeah, a little bit weirder more, and more. It's more carapacy. Yeah. But overall, it's it looks like they went. Third edition, they went hard into like weird aberration shit, and fifth edition, they were like, "All right, carrion crawlers used to be bugs. Let's do the bug thing again." Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm not yeah. horribly bothered. I I think it's the best version of itself that it could be. Right? It would be weird if we had suddenly a carrion crawler that looked like it was lifted straight out of the '80s in the rest of this modern ass monster manual. So yeah. for what it is, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, it, it, I'm. It's. I was joking earlier when I said like I don't like it now. I was just kind of yeah being facetious, but I I just think it's weird that they did that. They chose to do that because everything else is so. Let's take this thing that was super edgy in the '80s, keep it in the same spirit, but make it modern badass. But for the Carrion Crawler, they kind of were like yeah, they let's just take this it. thing from the beginning, rewrite it completely, and make it how we want badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can only guess. I, yeah. I agree that I wish there was a little bit more color to these guys, but I'm not offended by what is there, so I don't know. I don't feel too bad about it. And besides, like, for Carrion Crawler, a Carrion Crawler is never going to be my favorite monster anyway, so, like, I'm not crazy invested. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't saying anything bad, so yeah, no, I don't no. know. <laughs> no, I'm not, like, judging you. I just... All right. It, was, it, it sounded like you were, like, uh... Talking against a point I wasn't making, so I no, was confused. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. <laughs> okay. I'm saying I agree with you, and also, fuck it. 
It's interesting. I think there might be some there there might be some value in doing a mid-season history crawl into some of the more interesting changes that we get across the the editions of D&D and to yeah, see if like we can how, get some how stuff has changed. Yeah, maybe when we get a bajillion dollars and like <laughs> I don't know, we're we're turning down Matt Mercer's and Jeremy Crawford's. Maybe we can get yeah, Wizards yeah. of the Coast designers to pitch in on why uh, they made the changes that they did for this edition. But until then... I would be very interested in that, yeah. Yeah, until then. Wait for an AMA. That one we can ask the real questions. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of what we do get, it's fairly simple. The idea is that the carrion crawler eats carcasses and will attack creatures that interrupt it while it eats or creatures that invade its territory, which is pretty standard monster stuff. I will say that the book tries to do this double talk thing where the beginning of it, there's this introductory paragraph where it tries to paint carrion crawlers as aggressive and territorial, but the rest of the lore we get really suggests that carrion crawlers are kind of evasive and non-confrontational, so it feels a little bit atonal to have this introductory paragraph try to sell us on one thing, and then the rest of the lore telling us this complete opposite thing. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily that they're non-confrontational. I, I would say it's like they're smart enough to know that they can't fight things that can fly, but they only have a one in intelligence, so like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. And I I mean, like, it, it does say that they do not like to compete yeah. for food. It's, I don't know, it's just a weird... It, to me, it feels like hand-waving in order to get... in order to provide a context for a carrion crawler mm -hmm. random encounter. Yeah. So the book tells us that carrion crawlers have a particularly acute sense of smell and will follow the scent of putrefaction in order to eat. The book specifically says that carrion crawlers prefer not to compete for food and will try to find areas where there are lots of corpses and where other things that eat corpses don't like to be. So carrion crawlers will hunker down, and I'm quoting the book here when I say hunker down, <laughs> which like... Thanks, middle-aged dad, Monster Manual. <laughs> so carrion crawlers will hunker down in caves and sewers and dungeons, although they can be encountered where dead are just generally plentiful, like in graveyards or in battlegrounds. Yeah, uh, one of the things that they didn't—they don't tell you in the book here—is how carrion crawlers reproduce, which makes the battlegrounds thing just way worse. How do they reproduce? They reproduce by laying their eggs inside mounds of corpses so that when they hatch, their young feast their way out of the mound of corpses and then fight each other to the death. Oh, there we go. I was more horrified. That is more or less what I was expecting. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the it's it's horrifying to me in like the sense that you could do that to players without them knowing. Like, they're just walking through, uh, like, oh, this is a battlefield where a bunch of people died, and it's like, oh, this is super <laughs> sad, and you just see a mound start to kind of, like, shiver. Or, like, even better, I loot that corpse, uh, and then they, they just, just pull out a just fucking centipede. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I'm... It's body like horror it. upsetting is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I'm... To those of you who haven't been DM'd by me, I'm way down with that. <laughs> Incidentally, carrion crawlers like to make their homes in tunnels and sewers, and tunnels and sewers tend to be where carrion crawlers are most suited for, since these boys, what with their many legs, they're able to spider climb along walls and ceilings, and will often use this mobility to avoid other, other monsters that lurk near their territory, while also setting up ambushes from above or around corners. The idea that those tiny legs can cling to a ceiling and hold the entire bulbous... <laughs> like it is it is horrific a horrific creature is kind of hilarious yeah that's a that's a thick crawler to be sure 
I uh, I don't know enough about biology to know how it works. Spider-Man 1 from Sam Raimi taught me that they just have little hairs that are really good Stick at clinging to stuff. Yeah. stuff. But uh, that's more or less the most I can speak to. I don't know, man. They got big old strong bug legs. That's all I got. I guess, I guess so. So as hunters, carrion crawlers aim for the sure thing kill. They'll either sneakily follow light sources and the scent of blood for long distances, waiting for the perfect moment to attack, or they'll just pick a corner or some hidden alcove somewhere to ambush prey that walks by. And when it comes time to attack, the carrion crawler will make use of its poison, which it has poison. The stat block implies that its tentacles secrete this poison that is like transferred via skin contact. At least is my headcanon for how it works. Yeah, these are all-purpose Swiss Army tentacles. They can do a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're plot <laughs> tentacles. Gross. There you go. This poison is a paralytic, and once the prey is paralyzed, the carrion crawler will wrap it up in these plot tentacles and drag it to a safe place to kill the prey, keeping the corpse there as the crawler continues to search for more food. The book uses an excellent word choice. It says that the carrion crawler waits until the corpse is ripe enough to eat. Mm-hmm. Wait for the meal to ripen. What? Awesome. <laughs> Excuse me? A plus. A plus word <laughs> choice. A plus. I, like, I feel like that is some hag tier word, word choice. Like, that is, a uh, that's something a hag would say. Yeah, because when you say it, well, I don't know about you, but when some, when it's, like, waiting for the meal to ripen, all I can think about is your head being, like, a, a freshly ripened melon. Like. <laughs> yeah, or, like, that, that part of, uh, of, what am I, just, like, putrefaction where you bloat for a while. Yeah, and then, like, you crack it open and it's just kind of, like, <laughs> and like there's steam <laughs> Buh. yeah Buh. yeah you're you're opening my eyes i didn't consider all of these awesome body <laughs> horror ways to angle carrion crawlers they're pretty bad they're pretty bad i'm kind of in the mood to fucking traumatize some level two fighters <laughs> now so again we get a lot of details painting the carrion crawler as battle averse they don't like competing for food they crawl out of the way of other predators they use their poison to abscond with prey rather than fighting them head on. And it really does provide a dissonance, like I said before, from the introductory assurance that carrion crawlers are aggressive and territorial. Again, to my mind, it feels a little hand wavy. But truth be told, I think I would have rather had the book try to sell me on the carrion crawler's ravenousness because I kind of like the idea of the carrion crawler as the punchline to uh, at least things can't get worse encounter. <laughs> so like... I'm thinking it's a level five encounter with a troll in a dungeon somewhere. The ranger, you know, runs up, gets completely knocked the fuck out because they forgot they're only good at range. The bard looks at the camera and says, at least things can't get worse. And then you as the DM throw down some carrion crawlers as <laughs> as a punchline. They just kind of extend down from the ceiling. Absolutely. And not, like, I, if they're flavored as bullet style, as a hungry, hungry opportunist, that makes sense for why they would want to dart in steal whoever's knocked out and dart out and then it changes the encounter in an interesting way where now the party has to defend against this troll while also tower defense style keeping the carrion crawler away from scooping up the ranger and and like just as a as a point of fact i kind of like the idea of a monster that is oh yeah effectively non-hostile until someone goes down and then the shit hits the fan i think that's kind of cool and like a like a blood rage kind of creature that is otherwise docile until someone gets knocked out and then the encounter gets exponentially worse. Smells blood in the water. Yeah. It fits. It's got the shark teeth. 
here's here's a question I have for you involving that idea of an encounter. Do you, yes, please. A carrion crawler is like 15 feet long is kind of like the deal about that. Yes. Do you think that were there a hole in the ceiling, uh, say the ceiling is 25, 20 feet tall, we'll say 20 foot ceiling. Could the carrion crawler extend its 15 foot body down long enough so that with its 10 foot range of tentacles, it could snap and grab somebody while still hanging on the ceiling? Oh my God. And then just slurp back up like alien. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I mean. I mean, it depends if the if the sorcerer is being shitty, and I want to put the fear in God of, and I want to put the fear of God in them. Then yes. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Like, oh man, the wizard is being super shitty right now. Yeah. So you could do that to the sorcerer or like the plot non-essential NPC paladin guy that showed up to help out the team, and you just want to like really, you know, sell a carrion crawler attack. Just have him scooped out and eat him. Just aliens them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that I would go for something like that, if only because I like the idea of it as a set piece. <laughs> I said aliens, and then when I tried to think about it, my mind just went Jeepers Creepers when he comes through the roof of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is also true. So you can aliens slash carrion creeper your way into yeah. the, the psyche of your players, if you so choose. Mechanically, the carrion crawler shakes out pretty much how you'd expect. So it's a category size large monstrosity. It's not smart enough to have an alignment. It has a challenge rating of two, a pretty average AC of 13, and a pretty below average HP of 51. It's a squishy boy driving yeah. home that anti-confrontational nature, right? It's not gonna wanna fight stuff it can, if it can die easily. It has an average walk speed of 30 feet and a climb speed of 30 feet. Again, it can go up walls with no problem. Its attributes are pretty solid for the most part. It has more or less what you'd expect. It has good strength and constitution. It has above average dex and wisdom, and it has pretty garbage intelligence and charisma, which like, it has a one intelligence and like- Yeah, this has to be the lowest intelligence thing, right? That we have- Dude, even Belette's had two intelligence. <laughs> And those were just mindless murder machines. Yeah, one is near vegetable. Isn't one what you get brought down to when the mind eater thing eats your mind? You get brought to one intelligence? Uh, perhaps. I'm I, pretty uh, sure. One is like a vegetable to everyone but apparently carrion crawlers. It feels harsh, but whatever you say, Wizard of the Coast. <laughs> it gets a plus three to perception, which reinforces that sense of smell that it has. And consequently, it has an above average passive perception of 13 with an, everybody say it with me now, dark vision out to 60 feet. Dark vision, yay. Hurrah. In terms of traits, it has the trait Keen Smell, which gives the carrion crawler advantage on perception checks that rely on smell. There are a couple of creatures, often animals, that have traits like this. Usually they're just there as narrative fluff. Yeah. And so that the carrion crawler has a more guaranteed chance to ambush sneakier parties. I'm lukewarm on the idea that it's considered smelling when you're just kind of dabbing the air with your tentacles, but whatever, man. Uh, because the lore never really specifies how it smells. It says probing the air for the scent with its tentacles. Oh, does it so, say? It? Yep. Carrion crawler roams on the hunt. Its tentacles probing the air for the scent of blood or decay. Oh. So it's like when a snake puts its tongue out to smell or whatever. Yeah, which like, 
that's gross and weird. I'm down. Yeah, it's just like I the idea of that word being smell. I just don't know what you would replace it with. Yeah, I without getting weird and technical about it, I don't know what you would replace it with <laughs> either. So perception I, based on taste. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that might actually have been kind of cool if they leaned hard into the it just tastes the scent of blood on the air. <laughs> anyway. The carrion crawler also has the trait spider climb, which allows the carrion crawler to run up walls and ceilings without having to make an athletics check, which is, you know, a la the spell spider climb. Yeah. This trait, as the book alludes, makes the carrion crawler particularly deadly in tunnels, since it can outmaneuver stuff in enclosed areas, and it provides a major part of the carrion crawler's main strategy, which we'll get to in a second. In terms of its actions, the carrion crawler gets a multi-attack, where it can take both a tentacle attack and a bite attack. We'll start with the boring bite attack. It gets a comparatively accurate plus four to hit with this bite, doing seven, 2d4, plus two piercing damage. Yep. The more interesting attack, and the other half of the carrion crawler strategy, is this poison tentacle attack. Kind of upsettingly, it has a very, very high accuracy for that two <laughs> challenge rating. It gets a whopping plus eight to hit, and it has a reach out to ten feet. With a ten foot range, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty scary. On a hit, it does a modest 4 1d4 plus 2 poison damage, and it causes the target of this attack to make an average DC 13 constitution save, or be poisoned and paralyzed, although the creature can make repeat saving throws at the end of its turn in order to end the poison effect. So like, even if the crawler makes both attacks and deals average damage on both attacks, the 11 damage that it does is pretty below the damage range for that CR, yeah. but the reach on that poison attack is pretty killer, so... Putting it all together, to my mind, this is our ideal carrion crawler encounter. To my mind, basically what happens is it tries to begin as an ambush. The carrion crawler doesn't have any stealth skills, so it probably isn't going to turn into an ambush. But the characters aren't very perceptive at this point, so, you know, you might be able to get a surprise round off. Regardless of how the fight begins, the crawler is pretty much going to play quarterback here, which is the best word I could come up with. Hello, my fellow sport people. <laughs> By which I mean the crawler is going to use its climbing abilities to circumvent the frontliners in order to get at the weaker, squishier rangers and rogues and sorcerers of the party, delivering paralytic poisons all along the way. And because the poison tentacles have reach, it can probably hit the fighter with a poison and get the hell out of the way without worrying about an opportunity attack. Mm -hmm. So I'm imagining a fight where the crawler, similarly to the Cambion and its charm, the crawler is just worming along the battlefield trying to get as many party members paralyzed as possible while keeping out of harm's way until it can finally duck in and steal a party member Bahir style. <laughs> yeah, that would be horrifying. Yeah. And then it turns into like a minor version of the Bahir's chase where the crawler, you know, it's burdened by an entire person. It's trying to climb up to an inaccessible place in a couple of turns. But since the poison person can make saves every turn, and because the crawler isn't very fast, I'm not expecting this to turn into a full-fledged chase, which is fine for me, because the party probably doesn't have enough tools to deal yeah. with a big chase anyway. A 30-foot total movement speed, even with, like, a full action run, doesn't really... <laughs> yeah. Like, someone's gonna have fucking magic missile or a bow or something. This probably isn't gonna be a major deal. And, and especially if the person who is poisoned gets a bunch of saves i'm banking on this maybe taking a couple of turns which is enough for me because i just want the oh shit moment of like oh fuck they stole jeff the <laughs> ranger as yeah. long as there's at least one or two turns of legitimate fear that somebody's gonna get kidnapped and eaten 
that's enough for me. And so, you know, somebody's bound to make an escape. Once the character escapes that kidnapping, the crawler can either either run away or just die, depending on how the party feels. And of course, you know, DM selected difficulty. If you want the encounter to be especially dangerous or scary or goal oriented, just throw a chasm or a cliff into the mix. Just, you know, if, if the party is instantly aware of, oh shit, the carrion crawler can crawl down walls. It's making a break for this chasm that we can't follow. And we've only got like two turns to get it to cert to cut it off. I can see that being pretty effective and yeah, horrifying for an earlier party, which is good because it's an early team. They're only like level two or three. So I can imagine having a very clear cut goal. We need to keep the carrion crawler from running off the cliff with Jeff the Ranger. I can imagine that mobilizing the party to think strategically and have a clear goal in a way that I think is useful for the early game. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, what were you thinking? So, uh, this being an early game monster the way it is, do you remember back when we talked about aboliths, about, like, a fun way to fight an abolith would be put it in a pool of water that it can dive into and come up yeah. in a side they can't predict, that kind of thing? Yeah, uh, yeah. Similar idea with the carrion crawler is if they're walking through a cave, like, towards maybe a lair or something, just a bunch of holes in the yeah. round wall ceiling and, like... With a 10-foot range tentacle, they don't even have to see the crawler for the first strike to happen Oof. and for the fear of God to be set into them. Yeah. But it's not even, like, that brutal, though. Like, it would be no. the same level no, no. of brutal to, like, start a fight by having the carrion crawler poke its head out and whip a tentacle out. Yeah. It's just, it's it's for, like, the, the very fast fear. And then, like they can deal with it pretty easily afterwards. I think you're right. I think the more you lean into the gross body horror stuff of this weird insect thing that's way too big and eats gross corpses, I think the more you lean into that, the more memorable and entertaining this fight will be. <laughs> or like like the 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 gang is say it's like that um the dwarf stronghold I put you guys through where there are orcs on the inside, you know what I mean? Uh mm, like the cave yeah. entrance. Just you had, there's like a patrol of orcs. There's like one lone orc with a torch walking down the hall. And as you guys are stalking it, you see it just drop. And yeah. then suddenly you see like one tentacle come out of the wall, grab it and pull it into the wall. And you're like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. I'd really go out of your way to try to make this a horror encounter. And I do <laughs> like the just tentacles poking out of the dark and then dragging something into a hole. Yeah, and like show it to them that it could happen to them. Yeah. But don't show them what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Hide your monster as best you can is horror 101. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that is the... the For a creature at this level where there's still an element of wonder and fear in the players, <laughs> I think, you know, the best thing for it would be to adopt these horror movie tactics as best you can. And then, you know, that could lead into... Because similarly, when we were talking about Ablith, the thing that I took away from it as being fun was the ability to control what is good territory for the Ablith. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to throw a bunch of holes into the battlefield, that's a good idea. I also like the idea of, it, additionally, maybe putting a bunch of boulders that can be moved on top of holes in order to help the players arrange the battlefield in a way that is tactically significant. Or, like, push your mage into, like... A hole, because fuck your wizard. <laughs> push your wizard into a hole and kill him. Yeah. Uh, push the push the wizard into, like, thinking how to use its spells to, like, 
produce flame or create yeah. bonfire in front of one of the holes so the crawler can't come out of it or like something like that yeah gauntlet style stop the spawn point kind of thing yeah. <laughs> the, the old classic snakes are coming out of the hole i put my 10 foot pole into the hole yeah yeah but on a bigger scale <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's a good idea uh yeah so that's more or less my thoughts on carrying yeah i mean they're not there's not a lot to them they're just they're they're all right I think they have the possibility of being good, fun, scary encounters for a low-level group. And yeah. even if it's, like, a slightly higher CR group, like, just throw a couple carrion crawlers into a random encounter in a cave, and they could be yeah. just spooky enough to still be fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or if you want to take that, how can things possibly get worse <laughs> way as well to keep carrion crawlers relevant into later levels. I, I think that this, I agree with you, I think this is a pretty solid monster with enough neat little gimmicks and like flavor potential like body horror potential to be pretty interesting and memorable while not being you know the most stellar monstrosity that we get at this point in the game yeah they're pretty ripe mmm <laughs> smells mmm pus mm. yeah get a melon baller <laughs> You know what else is pretty ripe? Subscribing to Nerdsmith, where you can access a host of bonus content for as little as $5 a month. But we understand, like, if, if also you don't want to do that, if also no thanks, I want to keep my money, please. We understand. In which case, you know, feel free to listen to some more Tooth & Nail or have a peek around the rest of the Nerdsmith repertoire. Yeah, there's a bunch of good stuff out there. There's shenanigans, the yeah. industrial fantasy D&D. There's your girls at Monster Crush. Oh yeah, uh, and then as always, our boy, our boy Joe over at DRDM. Yeah, and uh, if I think by the time this airs, actually, countless heroes, I think they might be done. Oh, I think their campaign is coming to an end. Oh no, are they gods now? <laughs> you know what? I probably. I know that they are. I think level eighteen. I want to say Ugh. seventeen, maybe. It's they're they're getting there. I like <laughs> my heart goes out to all of the DMs who have to keep their campaigns interesting past level fifteen, because <laughs> to my mind, that's that's pretty much where D and D dies for me. In like Logan, he's out there doing it with a uh, sixteen people total, like eight at a time. It's got to be unreasonable. Yeah, it's worth watching just for the imp like the sheer impressive spectacle. Yeah, just for the sheer impressive spectacle <laughs> of it. Absolutely. But yeah. Yeah. Th that'll about do it for this one, my dear friend Travis. Yeah, my dear friend Orion, what's our creature comfort for today? <laughs> get, get you some fucking embalming fluid so that your corpses don't rot like God, gross monstrosities. Get yourself some real ripe hot cocoa. Yeah, get you some ripe cocoa <laughs> and make sure that none of your corpses are putrefacted to the point of insect alluring. <laughs> crack open a cold one. Yeah, crack open a cold one. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable now. Have a ripe day. Oh, I won't.